Levo to the right hand, puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Levo just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Leibold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. I'm grateful, oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no label, oh yeah, you know me. What's going on, guys? Welcome, hockey to hell and back. Episode number 55. I'm Brady Liebold coming at you guys live from Muskoka, Ontario. If you're watching live, thank you so much. If you're listening after the fact, I'm just as grateful. Thank you so, so much for being with me. Uh, today's a very special episode. Uh, I'm so excited, but as you guys know, I got a couple of things I got to get through first. And uh, first things first, you can see it in the top right corner. I announced it on the last podcast. I'm now officially partnered with True Hockey 
True Temper Sports. Uh, for my rollerblade across Canada, I want to give a special shout out to everybody at True for believing in me. Uh, it's it's honestly to me it's a miracle when you think of where I was not that long ago. There was a couple other people that really helped make that happen. David Carlson being one of them, Joe Baker being one of them. Also shout out to everybody at Sonic Sports, Cliff, my new friend down there in LA, taking care of me with the bearings and everything. Cliff, what's up, my man? The people at Conix Hockey taking care of the wheels. It's pretty exciting, guys. Uh, I'm just grateful to be alive and happy to spread my message and and hopefully get encourage other people to do the same, much like my guest has done uh, in the past couple of years. I know it's been hard for him. We're going to get to that. Uh, but yeah, we're going to get to one sponsor and we'll uh, we'll be right back here in a few minutes, guys. Thank you so much. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you to uh, Jesse Paradise at Team Issued, Regan Bartel, the Cloner Rockets play-by-play guy, one of my favorites. Uh, as you guys know, behind me, the the wall of those we've lost to things like suicide and overdose continues to grow. Some of them are recent. Some of them are from before. And every single episode, I honor one of those individuals. Tonight, it's a little bit different because... It's, uh, it's a hard one. It's, it's honestly one that shook me to the core. It's not just one individual. It's two. Nick and Jack Savage. They were brothers. They were born 18 months apart. Best friends from day one. Both outstanding hockey players. They both graduated from Mishawaka. Indiana's Penn High School with honors. Like I said, they were both stellar hockey players and each served as captain on their high school team during their senior years. Tragically, while attending graduation parties, Nick and Jack consumed a lethal combination of alcohol and the potent painkiller oxycodone. They were both found unresponsive in their home the next day, June 14th, 2015. Tonight, we remember Nick and Jack Savage. Tomorrow marks six years since the world lost to way too young. And uh, tonight, we're going to do a special giveaway at the end of the show. We're going to give away a puck support hat. As you guys know, all of our merchandise has an in-memory of one of those individuals. Tonight, we're going to give away a hat that has Nick's name in it and on the other side has Jack's. So stay tuned, guys. We're remembering Nick and Jack Savage tonight. They're behind me right here. We're thinking of the family and the friends. They're never, ever going to be forgotten here at Puck Support. We'll see you guys in a few minutes with my guest. Thinking of the Savage family. On April 6, 2018, the hockey world was shocked by the worst type of news that it had ever gotten. The Humboldt Broncos of the SJHL 
while en route to a playoff game, were in a tragic accident that claimed the lives of 16 and critically injured 13 others. And on today's podcast, it is my greatest honor to sit down and speak with one of the survivors. His name is Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith was originally born in Hinton, Alberta, but moved to Leduc at the age of five, where he played for the Leduc Oil Kings AAA program before moving on to the Drayton Valley Thunder of the Alberta Junior Hockey League in 2016-2017. The following season, he moved on to Humboldt, and this is where his life would change forever. Though he was extremely fortunate to survive the crash, it did not come without severe repercussions. It took five days following the crash before Tyler awoke in a hospital bed where he had suffered a stroke, severe nerve damage. He also had to have six inches of his small intestine removed, several broken ribs, a broken shoulder blade, and a punctured lung. And though the physical injuries were so severe, it was really the mental injuries that would play a huge part in Tyler's future. Even after suffering all of the physical injuries, against all odds, Tyler Smith suited up for the Humboldt Broncos the very next season. But after just 10 games, he made the very tough decision to hang up the skates. For him, it just wasn't the same. His mental health it was deteriorating, and he wasn't quite ready to talk about it. Unfortunately, I don't remember anything from that whole day. People have told me like little bits and pieces that I kind of can put together, but for the most part, I don't remember anything. It was just a unique situation. Like we we're 19 to 21 year old kids and just experienced something that nobody should ever experience. So I don't think any of us knew really how to cope with it. I hid my emotions for a bit and I think some of the guys did as well. Being able to be distracted and keep busy was, was good for the time being, but once it caught up to you, it, it caught up to your heart. But then Tyler made a bold decision to start talking about how he was feeling. Growing up, I was definitely a, a guy who didn't really want to show weakness and kind of be there for everybody else. Coming to the realization that it's about me and it can be about me and that's okay. When I came to that realization, it was, it was good because then I was able to do what I needed to do and kind of take those necessary steps in order to actually heal. What I've come to realize is the mental health and the mind, it takes time. If you're able to take care of yourself and, and to put your mental health first, then you can at least move forward. Tyler is now utilizing his story and his courage in empowering other individuals to come out and speak about their own mental health issues and to receive the help that they need and that they deserve. And a big part of that has come through his own clothing line called Not Alone. The hockey community especially is a, is a small community. We all know each other and we all kind of care about each other. My overall message would just be to realize that you're not okay and if you're not okay, do something about it. I think a lot of people just suffer in silence. So being able to open up is, it takes a lot of courage. Now I'm, I'm hopefully being able to touch people and give them a sense of hope. And I think people need that. Without further ado guys, let's bring them in. Now living in Calgary, Alberta, my new friend and fellow puck support warrior, the incredibly inspiring Tyler Smith. Smitty! Brady, what's going on? 
Not too much, man. Thanks so much again for doing this. I know we just chatted for for about 30 seconds before we can't we came on, but uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so so much for for coming on here and not just that but all the tremendous work you've done in the past couple of years i i know uh it likely has not been easy and uh it seems like you're in a pretty good place these days tyler yeah i mean brady i can't thank you enough and, and hearing your story i i can't thank you enough also for doing what you're doing and and continuing to bring that awareness and continuing to start those conversations i mean it, it takes a lot man so good for you um i keep You've lived quite a life, and to, to be where you are today is pretty incredible. So, Well, I appreciate that, but uh, I'm not even in the same conversation as you, buddy. But uh, before we go any further, I need to ask you about your mustache and why the mustache. You know what? I actually just I, I just dig the mustache, and, and the best part is my girlfriend likes it too now, so I think it's just a, I, I don't need Movember to just rock the mustache. You know, I've, I've figured it out that, okay, I can do this year-round kind of thing. <laughs> nice. I'm on, hey, I'm in the same boat, and people, yeah. That people that watch and listen to this show, they've heard me say this numerous times. So I apologize to you guys, but I'll tell Tyler's. I, I grew mine for Movember. Same deal. Um, huge, huge advocate of Movember. And I love everything that they do. And I know you're, you do as well. You do some work with them as well, which is incredible. But I woke up on December 1st and I was laying in bed and I looked at my phone and there was a post that said, just because it's December 1st doesn't mean that you know these issues go away. And I was like, well... I guess I have it for at least a year. And and like you, I, I kind of dig the mustache. I, I don't <laughs> mind it. I don't mind it. So, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty funny, though. I, it's uh, And you look, hey, you look good. You look good with hey, it. So. Much and appreciated. You as well. It's a bonus if the if the girlfriend likes it as well, right? So absolutely. <laughs> so, now let me let me ask you, and I'm listen, man. I know that you've done a ton of podcasts and a ton of interviews, and it it probably uh, it, it I don't know if it gets harder, if it gets easier, or a little bit of both. But uh, you know, I just take it back to you know your experience with with Humboldt because you know that community since you know that tragedy has there's been such a spotlight on that community and if anything it just seems like what an incredible place to play yeah I mean I couldn't agree more I honestly before I played in Humboldt I didn't even know it existed um I had my brother's best friend play there for three years and he was the one that kind of actually got me to Humboldt which was uh, awesome I mean I can't thank him enough still to this day but I mean even when I got there it just seems like they love the Broncos. And I mean, the Broncos are the, I think the winningest team in the SJ. So, I mean, that's always a bonus too. They've had their, they've had quite a few championships and I'm sure that brings people back, but I think it's just a, a wholesome, genuine community that just loves hockey. Your Friday nights, your Saturday nights when the Broncos are playing, you know, I think uh, the cliche of all the kids look up to you in the community. I mean, it was real. And I think Darcy, our coach did such a good job of helping us get out to the community and, and make sure that we could, I mean, offer some sort of way to repay them for all the support they gave us. I mean, even if it was go deliver lunch to an elementary school or go chat somewhere or, or go to the old folks home and, and, you know, play games. I mean, he did it all for us and, and it led to, I mean, ha- us having that full community support. So, yeah. And uh, I mean, much like it, it's really it's interesting in in the fact where, you know, I played for the Swift Current Broncos and much the same small community and and just they live and die with the team. Uh, and I just remember like being there and, and, you know, having, you know, my jersey's not behind me, right behind me anymore, but it used to be. I mean, they're everywhere. But on the patch, on the shoulder of the Swift Current Broncos jersey is the four Broncos that, yeah. you know, died in the 1986 bus crash. And, you know, it 
you know, having that happen obviously before I was born and long before you were born, but having it happened in that community, it was just this kind of the, honestly, this kind of eerie feeling every time that I went out on this, on a road trip, I'm not going to lie because every time we go past that way on the highway and this was before they didn't have a memorial for, for the players up until long after they should have, and just having that eerie feeling. And oftentimes too, in the Coquihalla highway playing with the Kelowna rockets, it's like, you know, these little near misses where it, it could have happened and maybe like, I feel very lucky that to have survived that. And I know that was sort of the conversation that I was having with a lot of players. Like we, it opened up this conversation to say, wow, like think of all the different times where players have been on the bus and how lucky and grateful that something like this hadn't happened. And then all of a sudden here we are 2018, April 6th, and you guys are on your way to a playoff game and your life gets absolutely devastated um, beyond belief. I just, I don't know how else to put it, Tyler. And um, I, I know that I've done my research and you don't remember a whole lot about that day, but can you walk us through what it was like waking up in that hospital room if it's not too tough on you? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the wake up was obviously when I woke up, I was hopped, you know, I hooked up to three machines and I mean, I was on the morphine drip. So, I mean, I was in no way to be able to comprehend or understand what just happened. But I mean, as the days kind of um, moved forward, I think my mom and dad can tell the story a little better, but I mean, it just started to really, um, I guess, understood. I started to really understand the depth of what just happened and the mag magnitude of what just happened. I mean, um, even just having the, the celebrities come in the room and, you know, McDavid or Trudeau or whoever it is coming in the room and just, you know, paying their respects and, and, and all that. I think it was, um, that's really started to make me understand of how much this really shook the, um, I guess the nation. And, and even the, the first day I got my phone, I mean, just the amount of people that reached out, the amount of people that I haven't talked to in years that reached out just to make sure they're, you know, I'm okay or what's going on. And, um, I think it was just what, like I said in the in the intro. I mean, it was just so unfortunately unique. You know, I think it was just like wow. You know, because I mean, being able to wake up and, and see the support and feel the love, and, and even after 13 days and going home and getting all these gifts and notes and and, and flowers delivered to our door. I, I mean, the support was just something that I think, at least for for me and my family, that really kept us going. Because I mean. To, to be able to sit there and, and have that shock and, and not have that, you know, that shock just didn't wear off. I don't know if it, I mean, I still think the shock's there. I, I don't think it'll ever go away. Um, but I think just being able to, you know, have that full love and support, you know, the GoFundMe, the whatever it was, I mean, there was just so much. And I think even still to this day, when I pass somebody with a Bronco sticker, I mean, it, it really, it really does make a difference. And I, I think it's just something that, I mean, it shook, the hockey world. And I think, you know, a lot of people had to heal from that. And a lot of people are still healing, obviously. So. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you like uh, in the house that I'm currently living at with Susan cook. I mean, when I moved in the, the stick, was, there was still a stick on, on the front porch. And um, I've really noticed since I've been rollerblading just around here in Gravenhurst, like I, I really noticed that there's still a lot of places with the stick. And I think, you know, showing that respect, I don't think that'll ever go away. I know it won't ever go away at this house. Um, but man, yeah, the, the outpour of love and support, uh, was it, was it ever overwhelming? Like you just wanted to shut it off ever because you just maybe had, did you ever have survivor guilt or, or what was that like? Like, when did it really sink in that man, like 
you know, there's 16 others that lost their life. And I'm one of the ones who's so lucky to still be here. Yeah, I think it really started to sink in. I mean, when, when I got home and, you know, just being, just sitting there every day and, and going to physio, just doing the same routine, the same, I mean, I was just in that emotionally frozen state. And I think it was just, there was no way to navigate it at that time. And I think it was just, I mean, I feel so bad for my parents and all my friends because, I mean, I had so many people be like, how are you doing? How are you doing? You know, what's going on? What can we do for you? And it was just like, ah, I'm good. Yeah, I know. I'm just going to ride out this day and wait for the weekend and, you know, just be able to try and somewhat move forward and, and just completely shut everything out. I mean, it was it was overwhelming at times. I think um, even the media requests, the, uh, going on social media and never not seeing something about it. I mean, for a bit there, I... I probably would have wished that I could just curl up in a ball in the basement and just sit there with my own thoughts. Because at that time I was so consumed with those thoughts and that survivor's guilt. Like why, why me? Why us? Why am I not gone? And, you know, SWAC's here, you know, there's so many questions and there's so many unanswerable questions, I think was the biggest thing. I mean, I can't get answers to those questions, but it was something, I mean, I've never dealt with trauma, loss, grief, nothing. So, I mean, this was so foreign to me and this was something like even my parents, I mean, my, my parents have obviously been through a lot in their lives too, but I mean, that's just our, their generation. I mean, they're not going to talk about it. You know, my dad's the, my dad's the epitome of a man. And I think he was always brought up as the man up, man up, you know, put your work boots on and, and, and just go to work. And um, I think, I mean, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I fully adopted that, but I think it was just even the hockey world. I mean, it's changing now, but I, I, I look back even six years ago, you know, I'm not going to the rink and play sewer ball with the boys and talk about my feelings. You know, it's just, yeah. I'm not doing that. Nobody's doing that. You know, I, even a, to pull somebody aside is, I think was very um, odd, but now, I mean, it's so nice to see the shift happening. It's so nice to see um, guys really starting to come to terms with, you know, even though they're a professional athlete that make millions of dollars, they still have problems. They still have struggles. They still have anxiety. So um, yeah, for the most part, I think um, it was overwhelming. <laughs> but Let me ask you, because I couldn't find confirmation whether this is your family here. Yeah, I do have a, a brother as well. He yeah, you have your older brother. <laughs> this is your mom and dad here, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Just I, I'll bring that up later, but I wanted to confirm it. I should have done that before we went on, but I totally forgot. But I, I was sure it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, how, how did they navigate that? Um, what What was that like? You think for your parents having to be there for their son and what was your relationship with your parents like and and what's it like now in comparison to when that first happened and and even from before are you guys closer now having gone through this as a family yeah I mean I think now I think we're the closest we could ever be I mean obviously I, I'm in Calgary now and they're still in Leduc but I mean I, I talk to both my parents pretty much every single day I, I go visit them on the odd weekend you know I'm, I'm tight as I'm probably as tight as with my brother than I've ever been um, and I think that's just, I mean, my dad said like, you know, walking into that hospital room and, and seeing me like that, he said it just completely tore him apart. And I think, um, yeah, I think even for them, I mean, it was so, it was so tough because wow, you know, like this was so close to losing somebody, um, like, you know, their son and, and to be able to, um, I think they just said they have the survivor's guilt as well, even though I, I obviously they don't didn't survive the crash, but I, 
they have that guilt as well, you know, going to functions and, and seeing these amazing families that have lost a loved one is just something that um, is so incredibly challenging to, to navigate. I mean, but I think just the, the 29 families is once again, are, are rocks. I think we can go to any of them and, and be able to have conversations, be able to, you know, just go out and, and do something or whatever it is. I mean, they've just been so, so incredible um, to me, to my family, to, it's just, it, it's, it's something that uh, unfortunately it, it's hard to put into words just because, I mean, we're bonded for life and I think we know that, but I think we've embraced it in such a way. Um, obviously we're, we have 29 families. We're all not going to all completely agree on everything all the time, but I think we just, we truly just love each other. We just have that love. And I think that stems from that Bronco background, you know, that, that Darcy core covenant. I mean, there were so many things that really um, made us who we are. And I think we, uh, we just appreciate that a lot. Well, and it's, I think it's important to be able to have that relationship as well. Right. And uh, my, my question for you, and, and this is a personal question because I'm, you know, I know you went back and played, which just blows my mind and not like a couple years later, it was the next season, but how soon after, the crash, would you say that you were thinking like, Hey, I want to get back on the ice? Well, it was weird because I mean, when I was laying in the hospital, I mean, I didn't even know what nerve damage was when I snapped my collarbone, it's, uh, it damaged a couple nerves and I woke up and I just remember my arm being like completely dead. And it was so weird to me because I'm like, what is going on? Like I've, bro- I've broken my wrist, but for the most part I've I've been pretty clear of injuries in my life. And, and to, to have that was just very odd. And, and I mean, even the timelines the doctors gave me, you know, one to two years, nerves are very, um, you know, nerves are, nerves are hard to heal. And sometimes you won't even get that feeling back. And I, so I, when they kind of gave me those timelines, I was like, I'm not, I'm never going to go back. Like, I'm not going to golf this summer. Like, I'm not going to be able to do a lot of the things I love. And, um, and then it's, I mean, it, it started healing really well. Um, they originally said one millimeter a day is what the nerves heal. And, and so I had no expectations of, of going back or real, really any aspirations because I, I think right then and there, my, my dreams were kind of crushed where it was like, okay, this is it. Like I can't ever go back or do anything like that. And, and uh, I can't remember the exact kind of timeline, but I think, um, I mean, the physio every day, everything was starting to really um, heal well. I don't know if it was because I'm young, somewhat healthy. You know, I think there's, that has, a, has to be a factor, but for the most part, it was probably, I guess maybe four months after it was just like, wow, you know, I, I can almost golf. I can, you know, pick up a four liter milk jug. Like there was so many things that I was starting to do. And I was like, wow, like this is moving really quickly. And, and then that kind of fueled that, that little idea in my head of, wow, okay, you know, Patter and Camel are back in Humble. Like, can I go join them? Like it'd be something that I think would just be so, so special. And, and to be able to play for everybody um, that we lost and everybody that was on the bus that day would just be something that, um, I would, I would just cherish for the rest of my life. So that was, uh, that was what really fueled that, that fire to want to go back. Well, and you did it, right? This is, this is a picture of when you went back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, it's pretty remarkable, man. What was, what was the moment like when you, when you got back to Humboldt after, after all of that, how was that? Yeah, I think it, it was weird because I always say, you know, I prepared so well physically like I, I, I texted our rink guy in Leduc and I was like, Dean, I need ice. Like, can I get ice? And I mean, I was out on the ice every day at 8 a.m. 
putting myself through bag skates, putting myself through all these drills with my brother. He would come out with me and, um, and there was so much focus on that physical side, you know, cause I was thinking to myself, I need to be ready because I don't want to take a hit and, and permanently down something, you know, I need to make sure I'm going to the doctors, make, making sure I'm getting clearance from everybody. And, and that was what my complete focus was on. I mean, I had the blinders on and I just wanted to make sure, okay, I, you have the chance to go back. You've got to go back. And I think, I mean, that was just that athlete kind of mindset. It was just like, okay, it's like preparing for a season. You know, it's, it's time. Like we got to get going. We got to get back in shape. And I mean, for anybody that plays hockey, I mean, the hockey conditioning is much different than just running on a treadmill. <laughs> so I think there was uh there was so much, like I said, focus on that. And then, I mean, driving back into Humboldt. I mean, I knew, I knew I'm going back to that same dressing room. I knew I'm going back to my billet house. I knew I'm going back to that rink, that community, you know, that Johnny's um, breakfast that we do every, before every game day. And um, I knew that I'm not going to see the faces I wanted to see. And I think there was uh there was a little bit of mental preparation. And, you know, I think I, I had these thoughts in my mind, you know, I wanted to prepare, but I, I still don't think I knew how to. I still don't know if there was a, a true understanding of the, once again, the, the magnitude of going back. And I mean, even going back to the home opener, I remember, I mean, I was the guy on one knee bawling my eyes out because this is, I mean, first time back in Humboldt. I mean, standing there with this, with the other survivors, with the other boys and, and Christina and the kids. And I think uh, that was probably one of the worst days of my life. And, and, but like I saw Patter and Camel play and I saw them put that jersey back on. And I think once again, that, that really fueled that, okay, let's go back. Like, let's play, let's throw the sweater on again. Wow. It's, um, I can't even, I honestly can't even imagine uh, what, what that must've been like, especially driving in and, and uh, just, that feeling because I, I remember just, excuse me, driving into town, coming into a regular training camp, you know, the nerves and the excitement and all of that. But after something like that, man, and you talk about not seeing the faces that you want to see and it's nothing against those new two teammates, but it's like, man, those were your, your brothers. Right. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I honestly don't even know how to, how to put that into words, but you found a way to do it, Tyler. And, and you ended up playing 10 games. What was that like? And what was the ultimate deciding factor of saying, okay, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. Yeah, I think, I mean, going back, like when I reflect, I mean, it's something that I can truly be proud of and sure. something I can be like, you know, wow, you did this. Like you can be proud of yourself. And I'm not usually a guy that will uh, first off admit that, or first off kind of want to, be proud of myself or something, you know, I kind of just want to go through it and, and, and don't really look back, I guess, but I, that's something I'll look back and forever and be like, yeah, you went back. And, uh, but I think there was just, I mean, that first bus ride, that, that first game, that first, um, that first sleep in the billet house without Tobes upstairs, you know, I think there were so many firsts that, that really started to pile up. And I mean, for, that that team in Humboldt for the like the year before I mean that that was a group that you truly just can't replace and I know there's I mean I I wish every hockey player had the opportunity to play with a group of people like that that was truly like the definition of everybody playing for each other and everybody playing for the as cliche once again as it sounds the the logo on the front and I think I mean it all goes back to Darcy and it all goes back to to Crossy and, and it all goes back to Critter and Dana and 
and, and just everybody involved. I mean, there was just, everybody was working towards a common goal and we just truly appreciated playing in humble, playing for the community, playing. You know, I think there was just so much subtle gratitude and there were so many subtle life lessons that, that Darcy taught us along the way. And I mean, even the core covenant, his first line was family first. And we, we truly were a family. I mean, we did have quite a few guys that lived in humble were with their families but I mean for everybody that was at billet houses I mean we still felt like a family like it truly was a second family and um and so I mean the next year when I went back I mean I wanted to to try and recreate that that dressing room atmosphere and try and you know get back to that person that I was in the dressing room you know I I I thrive on social settings and I thrive on the dressing room. I mean, I, 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 I love that as much as I love on the ice hockey, all that. I think it's the, it's the off ice for me. And I think any time that I can try and help be the glue um, for our group, I mean, I, I tried to take advantage. I wanted to make sure, you know, everybody first off is having a good time and uh, honestly, just first off grateful for the people around us. And I, I, I tried many ways to do that, whether it's, you know, chucking on, um, going on the ox and playing good tunes or, or whatever it is. I mean, I, 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 I don't like obviously talking myself up or anything like that, but I just, I, I thrived on the, the dressing room role and to go back that next year was, I mean, I just couldn't bring myself to, to be that guy again. And I mean, for anybody that plays with me, I'm, I'm, I'm not a guy that's going to score 40 goals. You know, I'm not a guy that's going to fight every night. I'm not a guy that's going to really make or break a game. And so for me, it was trying to make or break the game in the dressing room, you know, before in between intermissions or before the game or after the game, whatever it is. I, I And for that year in Humboldt, I mean, it was a really good group of guys as well. I mean, I still have friendships with a lot of the guys that I played with. And um, even Scott Barney, I mean, I can text him whenever he's coaching there now. And um, there was still that that very um, special atmosphere in that that group, that core group. But it wasn't the same. And, you know, I didn't have Tommy beside me in the dressing room. I didn't have Joey beside me. And I think there was, um, it was starting to really take a toll. And I think, I mean, up until this point, I didn't deal with my, what was going on inside my mind at all. You know, I was still suffering completely in silence and I wasn't having conversations that I should have. And um, even, you know, with, with Paul and Nancy, my bill of parents, I mean, they could see it and people started to see it. And I mean, even these new teammates who I don't even know, I think they could even sense it as well. And it was, I think it's just looking back, truly sad that I, I mean, I was affecting how the kind of, I guess the mood in the dressing room or whatever it was just because, I mean, I truly didn't know how to navigate that next step. And I think, I mean, that, that first game, that first bus ride, I mean, it was hard. It was really challenging and it was really challenging to, um, there was just so many factors. There was just so many little things. There was so many. Um, now I can see it. Now I can see the signs. But I mean, I remember just walking off the bus after game 10 and I was just like, ah, geez, like <laughs> I'm not having any fun anymore. And I think it, that that's nothing against that, that my teammates, my coaches, not nobody. I mean, everybody did their best to make sure. I mean, obviously I was fully welcomed and embraced, but um, at that point, I, I knew I, I, I made my decision, but at that point, I just didn't want to come to terms with it because I, I originally thought, wow, like you're going to let down 29 families, you know, you're going to let down all these people. You're going to let down the other boys that can't play hockey anymore. You, there, there was so much, um, 
so many thoughts like that in my mind where it's just that that instant doubt you know that instant and I remember the next day or sorry the night um, after I got off the bus after game 10 I I, I just went to my my bill of parents and I said it's I, I think I got to go home and and I think uh, my bill of mom was one of the most influential people I guess in my kind of healing journey just because she I means she looked me dead in the eyes and she she loves me with all my, her heart and I love her with all her my heart and she just said you need to promise me that you're going to, you know, take care of yourself. You need to promise me that you're going to go talk to somebody, whatever it is. And, and luckily I, I stuck to that promise. And, and I went to the rink the next day, I made a couple more influential phone calls just because I was still struggling. You know, I was still thinking to myself that, geez, you're, you're going to let everybody down. You're going to let Canada down. I mean, people supported you wholeheartedly throughout it all. And, and you're going to let everybody down, but everybody that I talked to just said, you know what, this is, this is your journey. You know, if, if, if you have to go home, then go home. You know, you don't have to answer to anybody. This is your life. You know, this is, this is your happiness. And if that means going home to take care of yourself, then good. And I think, you know, once I had the conversation with the coach and, and my teammates, I mean, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. It was like, okay, I can go home and I can just heal. I can try and heal. I can try new things. And I mean, even at that point, I still really didn't, um, anticipate having conversations or, or even speaking or doing any of that. I, I mean, I just needed to focus on myself and it was something that I've never done before. And um, it was a, a weird journey to navigate as well, trying to figure out, you know, what works or, or who can you talk to or whatever it is. But luckily um, I, I made that decision. Well, and I, you know, I think there's a lot, there's a lot in there, but let me say um, that, wow, you know, I think that's a huge uh, lesson, you know what I mean? And it's, it's so much more than just going and playing hockey. Right. And it's, it is your life. And if you're not feeling, you know, a hundred percent, not only, um, are you not going to be happy, but the chance of injury playing hockey in that state goes up tenfold. And here you are coming back from all these injuries. I think you made the right decision. Obviously you did. Um, when you got home, what, what did you start to do? Um, and how long did it take for you to start really having these conversations and, and what, what did your recovery journey look like? If you, you can go into as much or as little detail as you'd like, Tyler. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, it's, it's too bad that everybody doesn't have the luxury to do therapy or counseling or, um, but I went that route and I think it's something that I, I'm very grateful that I did. Um, cause I never, um, had any you know, I did, I, why would I talk to a stranger when I don't even talk to my best friends or my family about what's going on inside my mind? You know, why would I just go to a stranger and open up? But um, my therapist, she created that space that I needed, you know, that that space where we can just shoot the shit or, or we can also just, you know, have these meaningful conversations and, and she can really help me. And, you know, she doesn't have those prejudgments. She doesn't have those, whatever it is. So I mean, I can still say that I do. I, I go to therapy whenever I need it. I know she's going to be there. And I, I think it's something that I wish everybody had the luxury to do. Um, I know it's hard. I know it's hard to, to just open up in front of a stranger. But um, so, yeah, I think the, the therapy journey was big for me. And then uh, I can't remember the exact time I did my first speech. I think it would have been probably, uh, I think, maybe April or May of the year after. And I... Uh, I got a text from one of my, my best friends, old Billa parents. And, and they said, Oh, you were doing a provincial championship in white court and we'd love for you to come out and speak. And I was like, at the time I was like, okay, I can, you know, I can 
do a school presentation in front of a class. I think I can speak in front of some people. And um, at the time, I really didn't know what <laughs> public speaking was. I mean, I remember I just wrote down probably like four sheets of paper and I just read it, looked up, tried to make some people laugh, looked down, you know, and I think um, once I really felt that true, uh, I guess, I don't even know how to put it. Like, I mean, it was just something that was so special to watch everybody stand up after I spoke and, mm-hmm. and to watch people bawling and to watch people come up to me after and hug me and thank me and, and just be like, you inspired me, you, you gave me hope. And, and there were so many little things that I never thought of because I, 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 at the, I never had any intentions of speaking. You know, I never had any intentions of sharing my story to help other people because I didn't know it would. I mean, I just, I thought, you know, if I share my story, like, who's it going to help? You know, nobody can really fully relate to our, um, our experience, you know, and I, I think that's another big thing I always try to preach is, is I now know that you shouldn't relate your story to another story. Okay. Like this is your story and don't, don't compare it to somebody else's. Don't put, hold it higher than somebody else's. Don't hold it any less. I mean, I think it's just, it's just appreciating the fact that you are where you are and, and you have a story and it's okay to struggle and it's okay to speak about it. It's okay to have those conversations. So that was when it really fueled that, uh, that I guess desire to maybe do some more speaking. And, and, you know, I started doing some speak speaking at, I, I think I did one at the military branch and, um, some schools and, and all this. And, and then I, uh, I got approached by a website platform called unthinkable and they said, you know, we're just a, we're a website platform that we, we just want people to share their stories. So it helps, helps other people. And, uh, I remember I wrote down once again, like five pages, I sent it off to them and I was like, anticipating maybe a couple friends and family to read it. Maybe my grandma and grandpa, you know, read my story and send me a text or give me a phone call. And, and it, uh, it blew up in the best way possible. I, I, I got so much love. I got so much appreciation. I got so many messages. And, and once again, that was like, okay, wow, you know, why not do this more? Why not try and inspire other people to open up? I mean, I, at this time, and I mean, still to this day, I mean, I know this is a lifelong healing journey. And I'm not a guy that has all the answers, the, the magic formula to, to figuring out how to take care of your mental health. But I think if I can just truly be unapolog- unapologetically myself and authentic in my speaking, then I hope it does good. And I hope it can create that positive change or, or hope it can you know, f- facilitate those conversations with loved ones. Um, so that's, uh, I guess, really what, what brought me the desire to want to share my story. It's pretty amazing too, right? <clears throat> Excuse me, is that at least I've found um, by sharing my story, yes, my initial, and I read somewhere, I heard somewhere that, you know, your your initial hope from all of that was to just get through to one person, just help one person. And that was the exact message I had when I started this podcast. And then, you know, that was the initial goal. But I think, and from my experience, I'm wondering if it's the same for you. It's like, as much as we're, you know, you're giving and, and you're helping other people, how therapeutic has it been for you to start talking about your story openly and how much have you learned about yourself? Yeah, big time. I think that was, uh, that's, you hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, I'm a guy, like I said, I, I love to flourish in social settings. I love to be able to have some laughs, to make some jokes, to, you know, just, I like to talk, you know, I, I know my times where I just like to relax and chill, but for the most part, I mean, when there's people around, I don't mind being the, being the face in the middle or being the the guy kind of being even in the dressing room, um, really trying to somewhat shine, I guess. So um, for that, I mean, it was, it was so refreshing to, to be able to just 
honestly just share and you know feel like wow this is therapeutic for me this is helping me heal and i think there was so many i mean then i started to really understand a lot more about gratitude about being present about making memories about um, there were so many little things that i really started to understand and acknowledge and i'm i I thought to myself i'm like why did it take so long you know why did it take unfortunately our tragedy for me to understand the the depths of mental health and the depths of your mind and the and the the just the fact that you know what this is this is also your life and you know as much as I like to be selfless I I can be selfish in the sense when I need to have a night off or when I need to just relax and put on a record or when I need to go to my therapy I'm allowed to and I I don't have to answer to anybody to to say or I don't have to put that mask on and go to that social setting when I know that I'm not feeling it, you know, I, and I, I now know that my friends can understand and appreciate that as well. You know, it's not a case of they're going to force me to come out there. It's a case of, okay, these guys have, or these, you know, whoever it is, my, my, my family, my loved ones, my friends, whoever it is, they, they can understand um, that I, you can't be on your game uh, all the time. And they can understand that you can struggle. And, and uh, I think, for the most part, I mean, I've had so many amazing conversations with my friends now that I really appreciate. And, you know, I, I, I understand my friends more. I, I understand their story. I understand why they're the way they are. And I think we just, I think it strengthens so many of my relationships in the best way possible. And it's so, it's actually kind of like fun to have these conversations when you look back with your boys, you know, yeah. to be able to sit around a fire and, and shed some tears and, listen to some tunes and, and, and whatever it is. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's different for everybody, obviously. And I, I know that I think everybody heals differently, even with all of us. Um, I think we all know that everybody heals differently and everybody heals in different ways. But I think I, I now can appreciate the fact that I can be there for my friends. You know, I can, I can truly be present in these conversations with my friends and I can truly try and, give them that hope that sometimes they need, you know, and I think for a lot of my friends at the time, I mean, they didn't want to share what's going on with, with their life just because they're like, Oh, wow, you went through this. Like, why would I share anything about that or about what's going on with me? And I think now it's just like, no, you know, like we all matter, you know, we can all have these conversations and, and, and anybody of my friends can call me or, and I can call any of my friends or FaceTime them. And, and just, it's so easy now to really, just ask the how are you question and actually get a, a proper straight answer <laughs> yeah. instead of the, yeah I'm okay man you know doing well yeah yeah staying busy you know and I think it's it, it's yeah it's crazy it's just it's wild to look back well and it's it's opening up these conversations and another another way you've done that is through not alone um what's you know tell people a little bit about how this came about i i know the story of the embroidery shop and all that but i'm sure people that don't know the story please you know tell them and and we'll get to where they can find it and let us know what's going on with it these days and before you go i'm going to post a picture that one of your slogans here or this slogan is it's okay to not be okay and we actually have that featured on one of our shirts with puck support but it says it's okay to be not okay and the reason why is because i 
you know, I'd saw, I've seen this one out there and I was like, oh, I don't want to get copyrighted or whatever. So that's why we kind of flipped the words, but it's the same message, but I, I absolutely love it. Um, and you were featured, you know, on, on several news outlets and it's, uh, it's been pretty successful for you, but I think, you know, the idea behind it, there's you in a hoodie there too. I absolutely love this picture, by by the way, in the mountains, it's absolutely sick. And I know you're into snowboarding. We're going to get to that in a bit, too, but <laughs> tell us a little bit about how this, how this company came about and, and, you know, what you're doing with it these days. Yeah. Once again, I think it's a, the same thing with speaking. I had no intentions of, of ever really doing anything about it. Um, I think it was just something that, I mean, I love clothes. I, I love designing stuff. I, I, I love to, you know, I love all that. So I think it was just like, at the time, I mean, I had this idea and I went to the, my family friends who own the embroidery shop and I just said, Hey, can you guys do this? Um, can, I just want this and embroidered on a sweater. And they said, yeah, no problem at all. And I think I had it for a couple of weeks and um, my girlfriend and I went on that hike and um, she, she, you know, she said, let's bring the hoodies and, and let's take some photos. I mean, we, we both loved the hoodies. I gave one to, to her, to me and, and to my brother. And, um, and we took these photos and, and I, you know, chuck them up on Instagram and just to see, I mean, it wasn't even about the, I guess, promoting the clothing at that time. It was more or less like, a, you know, we just did a hike and it's beautiful. <laughs> like it was, uh, it was just a, an amazing day. And, and then we posted that. And, um, once again, I mean, so many people reached out, um, where can I get this? How did, like, how did you get this? How did you make this? And, and then I went to the embroidery shop and I was just like, Hey, <laughs> can we do this? <laughs> like, is this something that's possible? And, and luckily, I mean, I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful for them because they've really taken the workload of it. I mean, they, they bring in the products, they embroider it, they screen them and then they send them out. And, and it's just been something that is just so incredibly, um, memorable. I mean, every single day, I mean, there's been so many people reach out and just say, you know, these conversations are starting with my loved ones, you know, these tough conversations that you wouldn't normally have. And, um, I think for me, I mean, I didn't want to, to cover anything up with a logo. You know, I didn't want people to have to search behind the logo. It was just like, okay, these are my two of my favorite messages that I can really relate to. And I know that it's just such a, an, a simple message, but it, it, it means so much. And I think for people to wear it, I think it's something that they can be proud of the fact that, you know, it's okay to struggle. You know, it's a, they can be proud of themselves. You know, it's something that I just want people to wear and I want people in grocery stores or on walks to to look at it and instantly have that you know that that thought of reflection of wow you know that is so simple and I didn't you know when I originally read it I didn't really think anything of it but now it's just like okay I gotta I gotta dig deep and see if you know I'm struggling and I think to be able to re receive those messages and and to help facilitate some of those tough conversations with loved ones I mean it's just something that I will, I will truly never be able to, to thank everybody for, I mean, the support has been incredible. We've been able to donate a couple thousand dollars back to, to, um, charities, various foundations and charities and all that. So yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride and I, I, I hope to kind of continue doing it. Um, I'm so uneducated in the clothing industry and just business in general, honestly. So I think it's, Me too. There's, yeah, there's been some learning, some learning curves and some growing pains, but once again, I mean, my girlfriend's been through amazing through it. I mean, there's been so many people um, from all across America that have, have supported and, and loved it. And uh, it's just, I, I can't even once again, put it into words. I mean, it's just, it's been incredible.
Well, we're gonna. Uh, you mind if we open it up for a couple of questions here in a couple in a few minutes? I'll, I'll let people get them in the comments, and, and I'll pick, yeah. pick through a couple of them. But um, where can people find it? I have it across the bottom of the screen uh, for people listening after the fact. Follow it on Instagram at not dot alone dot co like co company yeah, uh, yeah. at not alone co uh, on instagram but where can people if they want to shop for for some of your merchandise where can they get it yeah so i guess um i'll try and find the website here um that that instagram page has the website inside the bio okay um, but then again i guess the uh not alone 20 here i can check it in the i'll do uh i'll put the website in there for uh for anybody that wants to check it out yeah for sure that's uh that's awesome um i i'll get to a couple of oh you send in private chat beauty oh sorry oh. no that's good that's perfect that's exactly what i wanted man <laughs> then i can throw it up in the i can throw it up on a banner but uh we do have a couple of comments that have been coming into that i that i want to get to uh as well um i'm just adding this the website's now on the screen as well um but yeah, a couple of comments coming in. I'll start up at the top here. There's because there's quite a few. Um, Vamos, great guest Brady, watching from Argentina. That's my friend Matthew uh, Meanser down there, all the way in South America. Says watching while waiting to hit the ice. Uh, Argentina supporters of puck support, awesome. Thank you, Matt. Um, Dave Young saying so sad, obviously about what you were talking about or about the two boys that lost their life of overdose. Donna Reed saying my sweater has their names. Um, she picked them. Donna giving hearts. Dave Young can't wait for this one. That was probably during the uh, the intro. Uh, David Carlson out in uh, uh, Alberta says hello to Tyler. Um, Susan Cook from all the way upstairs. She just brought me a cup of tea. Says the crash rang true to every hockey team on the road. I cried so much thinking it could happen anywhere in Canada. She says I've been on the road so many times in bad weather. Bless you for moving forward. She's a, was was the billet coordinator for the junior A team. Used to travel with the team, so that's actually where I live now. Um, and I was telling you about the stick out front. Uh, Donna once again saying thank you for coming on this podcast. You are an incredible person. Keep on keeping on. So inspirational. Um, Susan also says you're an incredible lad and your passion is true and incredible onwards and upwards. Um, Matthew in Argentina again says unreal. I can't imagine. Thanks for sharing your story, Tyler. Um, Stuart Smith, one of my friends and on the board of directors of the puck support charity moving forward fellow. He's a firefighter in Abbotsford says, I usually wait until later in the show. And this came in like 20 minutes ago. I usually wait until later in the, later in the show, but I want to thank the guest today already. I want to say thank you, Tyler, for sharing. You are well-spoken and articulate person. Keep up the great work. Uh, Celine Panetta, giving you a couple hearts there. Um, David Grass, I believe, uh, says hockey to hell and back is great therapy for me. Well, thanks for watching, David. Uh, Exceptional question, Brady. Not sure what that one was all about. Um, Stuart Smith. I could listen to these two talk all day. Two amazing stories, two amazing people. Thanks, Stuart. Um, Michelle Miner, um, watching in Dunville, Ontario. Her son tragically uh, lost his life uh, about three months ago uh, to an overdose. Played for the Barry Colts. She's a huge supporter of Puck Sport and a friend of, friend of the show, friend of Puck Sport, friend of mine. The entire Miner family says... What a truly heartfelt story. Kudos to you for opening up and realizing the need to find help. Sending positive thoughts and prayers on your journey to find happiness and positivity back in your life. Thank you, Michelle. Um, hello to you and the family in Dunville. Um, 
David says, I remember when the accident happened. I was living in Edmonton at the time. It was very tough to digest. Yes, I think it was for for everybody. Um, not sure what this is relating <laughs> related to, but have you been able to get into Zach McIntyre's limo? Not sure. Not, what- not yet. I uh, I think Zach's got to come come down to Calgary and, and do a little roadie in that one because, yeah, that's something I want to do for sure. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, uh, from Dave Young, last one for now. It says, so great. We'll order stuff tonight. Oh, so, wow. great to, so great to see how positive you are. And I will give, I'll give, him, the, I'll give him the horn for that one. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, oh. oh, there's Zach. <laughs> uh-huh. I'll My come, guy. I'll come pick you up, Smitty. <laughs> that's awesome who knew he was watching did you know he was yeah. watching no i didn't actually that's hilarious i gotta do that again <laughs> that's so funny that's uh that's too- yeah i appreciate all the comments oh my god that yeah thank i mean once again i can't thank brady enough for having me on and the opportunity to come speak yeah thank you very much oh everybody. man it's uh it's amazing i'm not done with you yet i i want to no, no. I want if unless you got to go. I mean, you got somewhere yeah. to be, then then I can let you go. But um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll bring up the uh, links. And for anybody listening, I will make sure that the links are in the description of the podcast. So if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever, if you want to look at the website or uh, follow him on Instagram, I didn't post your personal Instagram because I didn't know if you wanted me to. But just follow at notalone.co at not dot alone dot co um, for the clothing brand. Um, what, where are you at today, and, and what does the future hold for Tyler Smith? What, what's your goals, and, and what does your future look like, Tyler? Geez, that's a good question. I think, I think one thing that I've, uh, I've definitely adopted um, since everything is just kind of take it day by day. Um, I think I'm definitely just a, a guy that um, sees what the day brings. I mean, I don't have any crazy big, uh, I guess, goals. I mean, I think it's just kind of the small goals for now. I think there's just uh, a couple more things, obviously, I really want to do. But um, for the most part, I'm just going to kind of see what tomorrow brings. And and, and hopefully, I'd love to stay in the hockey world. Uh, I took television broadcasting, so uh, that was fun. Um, But I I just, I would love to stay in the hockey world. I think to be able to, I mean, whether it's a player development coach, whether it's, I don't even know. I think it's just, I I truly still have the love for the game as much as maybe I don't love um, playing the game as much. I think to just be able to, to be a part of a team and to be able to be in that environment is something I always craved. Um, so for the most part, I mean, I, I would love to travel more. I'd love to do a lot of things, like I said. So I uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Sports broadcasting. Like you want to you be on Hockey Night in Canada or what's, what's the vision there? Uh, I think, I mean, I, I, the reason I pretty much played junior hockey was because I had no idea what I wanted to do in my yeah. life. I, did, yeah. I had no idea, you know, what to take in school. So, I mean, I went through the two years of junior hockey and then, um, I, I mean, I met some pretty incredible people in the sports media world from Ron McLean to Ryan Rashog to, I mean, there were so many people that really supported us wholeheartedly. And I think that really, uh, I guess, fueled that, that idea of, okay, maybe, you know, this is, I, I, I love sports. I love all sports, golf, baseball, hockey, whatever it is. So if I can somehow get in that world, if I can somehow, um, I guess, not necessarily be in front of a camera. I mean, I don't mind being in front of the camera, but I think, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a tough world out there, the media world. So um, once again, I think it was just a perfect thing for me to, to try out. Uh, there was only two years of school, so it wasn't too much of my life. And 
Um, the school is awesome. Like I said, the people I've met in the media world are, have been incredible too. So I, uh, once, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I don't mind the, the sports and I don't mind the broadcasting. So once again, uh, we'll see what that brings. What, a, what about speaking gigs? Like now that, you know, things are starting to slowly open up, I know at least out here in Ontario, what's it like in Alberta? And, and when, once that all opens up, like, is this um, something that you're going to plan and, and maybe do a tour? Are you going to write a book? Are you, what, what's, what's down the road? <laughs> no book aspirations. Um, I really? Guess yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm, I, I, I like to speak and I think that's uh, as much as probably I could put on paper. So I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the speaking engagements is so, something I always look forward to, um, to be able to, I even did one with Theo Fleury. Um, yeah. I spoke before him and I mean, to listen to his story was so moving and so memorable and to, to meet new people at these speaking engagements and, and to hear a little bits about their story and, and to hear how I guess maybe my my speaking or my stories or the struggles um, they were able to relate to, or they were able to you know have some hope that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I think I uh, I I don't have an agent. I don't have any of that. I think it's just if people reach out and they want me to come speak. I mean, I I, I never usually turn them down. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to be in Calgary in about uh, somewhere in July of next summer, over a year from now, rollerblading across, rollerblading across Canada. And we're coming through Calgary. We're going to go through. We're actually we're actually taking a day because um, we're coming through like, you know, uh, Regina, Moose Jaw, mm-hmm. Swift, because I played in Swift and then Manhattan, yeah. like that way into Calgary. Um, but we're taking a day and we're just going to take the day off. We're going to drive up to Humboldt and we're going to, you know, spend, spend a day there. That's the plan. But coming through Calgary, um, I would love, we're going to have events and stuff along the way. And I have this vision of not only, you know, people rollerblading with me, whether it be kids or former hockey players like yourself or whatever for a short distance, but on top of that, having events you know about mental like a, a meeting where you know you could you speak and you share your story and while you're there maybe we have some you know uh professionals on hand that that maybe there's services that are available in the area that people don't even know that they have things like that and so i would like to for and you know you might be busy doing something else but i would like formally right here invite you uh to be i would be our absolute honor my honor pleasure to to have you uh any part large small whatever you want to do we'll roll the red carpet out for you tyler because uh, i would absolutely that would be like a dream come true man is that something that you think you might want to do and you don't have to say yes it'd be my pleasure i got my blades right beside me so i'll join you for a bit too i i would love nothing more that would be uh that'd be hold on one more <laughs> I, I like that horn that's my tim and sid or tim, tim and Fred. yeah Tim and friends now inspired horn and actually Tim uh, just emailed me back the other day. He's going to be joining me on the show. And um, Theo Fleury's was one of my, you know, original guests when my podcast was called something else. And for you to, uh, you know, open for him and you think you think that, you know, his story is, you know, maybe more powerful or whatever. And, And like we talked or like you talked about earlier, it's not about in comparison because I'll guarantee you as much as maybe, 
he was the headliner or whatever you want to call it, I'll guarantee you that you had just as much of an impact that day, maybe on some people that Theo didn't. And that's the thing is you never know who you're going to affect or where or when or how. And like it may, might be one person, 10, 100, it doesn't matter. But being out there, being open, having that courage to share your story, that is what has the power to change the world, man. Like, honestly. Well, I appreciate that a ton. I think, I mean, I think we align on a lot of things. And, and yeah, I mean, to speak in front of Theo was, uh, was so incredibly uh, powerful, I think was yeah. the, is the word for it. And I think you, once again, you hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, if you can even just affect one person listening, if you can, whatever it is, I think for me, once again, it's therapeutic for me to speak about it. And hopefully it's therapeutic for a lot of other people to listen as well. But I mean, once again, I mean, everyone's fighting a battle that, you, you don't know about. So, I mean, to be able to have some sort of impact or have something resonate with somebody. I mean, I know for me, I'm a big quotes guy. Anytime I see a quote, I mean, I got a list of quotes that really, um, I guess resonate with me and yeah. it's something that I, I try to offer to other people as well. Cause I mean, for me, like even with the hoodies, I mean, it's something like that one tiny little quote can mean so much to you and, and can really resonate with, with what's going on inside your life. So, um, yeah, once again, man, I think, uh, I think you're doing inc incredible work. So, well, likewise, man. And, uh, you, you, you know, we'll, we'll wrap it up here, but I, you know, you're not getting away from me completely. Cause we, I believe we have a meeting on Tuesday with Lozy. um, yeah. <laughs> a, Zoom, a Zoom meeting with Braden Lowe, who, uh, will be a guest on the show in the future as well. Uh, but we're going to try to, uh, you know, the three of us, uh, collab on some stuff to, to really change the world because, you know, as, as we know, teamwork, um, and, and bringing people together, that's the only really way, in my opinion, to make change and, and working together and, um, I'm, I'm excited for that meeting and I'm not going to talk too much about what Braden's doing, but if anybody wants to check out minor league, uh, on Instagram, he's, uh, got a pretty cool platform going where he's he's really uh, bringing people that uh, hockey players at the minor league level bringing them to the forefront and, and giving them some some love and some attention that they deserve and showcasing them and, and sharing their stories and their highlights and different things and he's got a lot of other cool cool ideas he's a lot more seems at least i don't know him that well but he seems a lot more business savvy than i am so i'll just shut up and listen man yeah i couldn't agree more yeah lozy's doing it they're doing a great job with old minor league madness. Their, their podcasts are a hoot. They got quite a few guests that, um, once again, I've been through quite a lot, even in the hockey world. So it's, it's always, it's always funny to listen to some of those stories. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. Well, listen, I, I appreciate your time and I appreciate you. And I, Really look forward to, you know, developing a friendship. And if you ever need anything, I'm, I know you have a million and one supporters and people to lean on, but you have one more in me anytime, man. Uh, I appreciate everything you've done and continue to do. And I really appreciate this, um, your support with Puck Support, uh, joining the Puck Support Warriors team. So it's really just... Uh, right now like we have some really cool things planned like darren mccarty's our our guy he's our chief ambassador he's one oh, he, wow yeah he calls me his little brother he's like one of my best friends brent sopel's one of our guys as well i you got jim thompson oh jim jimmy thompson yeah he's a friend of the show friend of he's yeah. a we talk quite a bit jim is one of yeah. the most incredible guys that uh that i've Never. ever met he's uh i was actually thinking about bringing him back on the show so thanks for reminding me that but he's got a pretty cool story of recovering does a lot of uh a lot of cool stuff too but yeah like we we want to do some cool things and and all across the country and, and have different things going on everywhere in collab because it's not just like for for me and for us like it's really not just about 
puck support or one thing. It's like, okay, if it doesn't work for puck support here, but we can help support this, let's go. Because it's all about just, you know, changing the world and encouraging Absolutely. people to, to get the help or talk or whatever it looks like. I could care less what the name is on the whatever. You, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it, it's just about making a small little difference every single day, man, with, uh, with the right people. And I can feel it in my heart, man, that you're going to continue to do some incredible things. You're only what? 23. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. You got a, you got a very, very bright future, man. And, uh, I'm proud of you, man. From, from the bottom of my heart, I'm proud of you. And, uh, I know that you can say now that you're proud of yourself, but maybe not for everything, but just, I hope that you can fully look yourself in the mirror tonight and be like, wow, Tyler, I'm proud of you because you're doing some incredible things. And a lot of us are proud of you. I can speak for everybody watching. I know it. So keep up the amazing work. And like I said, you need anything I'm here for you to lean on, or if you just want to talk or you have an idea or you think I'm doing something that's not so great, tell me. <laughs> well, likewise, man, I, I truly, I'm down proud of you as well. And I, I can't thank you enough for, I mean, the words, the, the opportunity and, and yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to obviously that next year in Calgary with the blades on. I, yeah, uh, buddy. I, I, yeah, that'll be a blast. And, and once again, when you talk to Jim, tell him, tell him I say hi, he brought us over for, the best, uh, the best dinner I've ever had when we were down there. So you'll have to uh, tell him that I, I need one of those meals again because uh, yeah, him and his wife cooked up the greatest, the greatest, tr everything. It was just, it was incredible. But yeah, once again, Brady, I can't thank you enough. Much love, brother. And uh, yeah, you too, buddy. We'll talk soon, Tuesday for sure. Sounds good. Okay, take care, brother. Hey, buddy. Awesome guys. That's uh, wow. That's Tyler Smith incredible tyler thank you for your time uh thank you for your support here and guys make sure that you check out tyler on instagram not dot alone dot co check it out support his cause buy some of his swag i'm going to myself i'm going to myself uh, i want to thank you guys all for watching as promised we're going to do a giveaway um we're going to give away this hat in memory of Nick and Jack Savage. Uh, I guess I'll, I want to apologize in advance for people that, uh, that I have to reject because I only have one phone line here that I can answer, uh, but we'll see if we can uh, bring my phone on here. We'll do it by phone. And I just want to thank you all in advance and hopefully somebody wants to call in. Um, here's the question. We'll make it nice and easy. What is the clothing company that Tyler runs, owns, and operates? Call my phone right now. We'll see you in a couple minutes. Hopefully we have a winner. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. 
For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at PrideTape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at PrideTape.com. You can find PrideTape on Facebook.com slash PrideTape, on Twitter at PrideTape, and at PrideTape on Instagram. PrideTape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Will, are you there? I'm here, Brady. Look at this. This guy is one of the most avid listeners. Will, what is the clothing company? Oh, I'm getting another call. I had to I had to I had to deny the call. What's the clothing company that Tyler Smith owns? Not a loan company. You got it, buddy. You got it. I'm gonna throw in a cup. I'm gonna throw in a couple rolls of pride tape for you too. We got another call coming in. I had to decline it. I apologize. Beauty. Thanks, Brady. You bet, man. Hey, listen, thank you for uh, for all the support. I appreciate it. And I'm coming up that way soon, so we'll have to get together. Sounds good, brother. Okay, man. Thanks. We'll talk soon, Will. Sounds good, bud. Bye. Give me a favor. Actually, one sec. Get that hat to Zach. He paid in humble. Get that hat to Zach. He's no smitty. You want so, me to... so get that hat. Send that hat to Zach. Okay, well, I got another one coming your way, too, from last time. So I'll send yeah, that. Send the... I will send it send... to Zach. Beauty. Okay, thanks, Will. Bye. Bye. Awesome. Will, what a great guy he is. We're going to send that hat to Zach McIntyre. Maybe he can wear it in his limo. I need to do my research on that. I was last to the party. Thank you to the other people that called. I apologize that I couldn't take your call. Hat is going out to Zach McIntyre. Make sure you guys check out Not Alone Clothing Company one more time. I'll put it across the bottom of the screen. Wednesday night. Very exciting episode with Sean Venadam. Now the owner of the 400 Source for Sports in Barrie. That's where I went and got fitted for the True Skates. Sean was an incredibly talented hockey player in his own right. He suffered a terrible, terrible leg injury that led him to having to have his leg amputated. That's right. He's now playing on the standing Paralympic team. He's an incredible dude. He's in incredible shape. And I got to meet him a couple weeks ago when I was fitted for my skates from True Hockey. And we sat there and we talked for a good 20, 25 minutes. And as soon as the conversation I was, was done, I was like, so you want to come on my podcast? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So that's what's coming down the pipe. We got Sean Venadam coming on. We got Tim McAuliffe from Tim and Friends coming on. We also have Ryan Johansson from the Nashville Predators coming on, who's also a true guy. We're going to give away some sticks on that one, signed by Joey himself. Ryan's going to sign up some sticks, and we're going to give them away right here on Hockey to Helen Back. Pretty exciting. It's pretty awesome. I want to say thank you again for watching, for listening, wherever you did it. I am so grateful. I know I sound like a broken record, but I truly, truly mean it, you guys. This is what keeps me going. This you know, has allowed me to connect with so many people, not just my guests, but you as listeners, watchers as well. I've developed some amazing friendships that I would have never had without this podcast. And if it would have flopped from day one, there's no way I'm still sitting here today because at that time I had no confidence, no hope, no future, and I took a chance. And you guys 
the hockey community as a whole embraced me, embraced my story, embraced the fact that I was rough around the edges. I swore a lot when I first started, just came out of jail, just came off the street, was barely clean. Today, I am 16 months clean as of June the 8th. So I want to say thank you guys for keeping me going. Please support what we're doing at Puck Support. We got some big news coming down the pipe. The business case is done. It's time to make some noise. It's time to change the world. Shout out to Stuart Smith out there in Abbotsford for, for stepping up, being a part of it. Susan Cook upstairs. And the third and final board of director we'll hold off on. We'll announce that maybe next week. But it's all in the works. It's all in the works. Things are finally coming to life after such a long time I've been busting my butt, sometimes spinning my wheels, doing things that I'm not great at, but trying to learn on YouTube, including this podcast. Those days are all over. Those days are all over. My hard work is finally going to pay off. And really, the goal is to just help one person. If we can do that, then everything I've gone through has been worth it. I want to say hello to my family out there in BC. To my dad, I love you. Congratulations on being named an honorary member of the BC Firefighters Professional, what is it? Association, BCFPAA. I'm pretty sure, Stuart, chime in on this one, save me. British Columbia Firefighters Professional Association. That's gotta be it. Anyways, my dad was a long time serving member of the union out there, not only in his local 1183 in North Vancouver, but also for the province of British Columbia. And he's now being recognized for all his hard work and dedication as an honorary member. Congratulations, dad. I'm proud of you. I love you. Stuart's got it. There it is. Thanks, Stuart. Dad, honestly, super proud of you. Can't wait to see you. Better get your rollerblades out, dad, because I expect you to bring it home in Poco with me. You heard it here first. That's right. Hello to my kids, Brooklyn and Brody. I love you. I miss you so much. I will never give up. Never, ever give up. The door is always, always wide open. Let's try that again, Stuart. I got it right this time. The BCPFFA. One too many Bs. Anyways, guys, that's it. Thank you all for watching. Share it with your friends. If you're watching on Facebook, head over to this YouTube channel. Sub subscribe. Press that like button. That's how it's going to grow. I'd love to just be on YouTube, have it condensed into one place. If you're listening, please rate and review. Share it with your friends if you liked it. If you didn't, don't bother. Be kind. Be grateful. And remember, have a great day if you so choose. I'm stable, oh yeah, no label, oh yeah, you know me, I have only a path, I'm lonely, but damn, I'm going, I'm I don't going. want no fake love, I want the real stuff, everybody listen up, cause I'll only say it once, I'ma show you how to path, if you want it bad, I'ma Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. 
You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at mindframe on Twitter plus mindframefit on Instagram. You let me in, let me in, yeah. I'm grateful, oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no grateful, oh yeah, you know me, I have only a path, I'm lonely, but damn, I'm going to win. 